minds. Man, <clears throat> drones after dark. And it started the pilot episode. It has and I'm going to share stuff. It has officially started. And it is on the book of faces. Hey, Bobby, do you want to talk about like where this, uh, where this came from? Like this idea? Oh yeah. Um, we just wanted to do a podcast, talk about the drone industry as a whole. Um, a lot of what you see on the internet right now, um, are very scripted, very high production value, you know, like, um, I'm not gonna call any names, DJI, their, their drones have this advertisement for every single one of their drones. They have this advertisement where like the drone pops up and then whoosh, it explodes and all, you see all the parts and it's got all the labels like focal length, one eighth, one inch CMOS sensor and all these, you know, random tech specs. And then they, just like high production stuff. We just wanted to do something where we can actually talk about the drone industry. We've all been in it for a while now and see, you know, what it's actually like right now in an unfiltered, low production kind of podcast where we just talk about it and um, hopefully people get, can get some insights on that. Um, Paul, maybe, you know, some other stuff. <clears throat> well, I mean, you started talking about DJI. The only thing I can think of it's with just such recent uh, news is the, the newest drone, uh, which is really exciting. I'm a, from my, from my end here, I'm excited. I know. I don't know if we're supposed to, supposed to start off talking about drones. You gave a, a uh, really good description of what we're doing here. Um, it is drones after dark. Yeah, well, um, it's exciting. Uh, it's exciting. I think 2021, the most thing, and I'll just say uh, what I'm most excited about um, is the way this is ending, like the way this year is ending with this announcement from DJI, because it's like what's next in 2021. And even in a year of, uh, uncertainty. There is still so much uh, push, push, push forward. Um, the release of products, and some of the folks out there say it, uh, especially the users. They're talking about the competition. Uh, you know, that's at the end of the day, that's what we want. The videos are. Uh, you know, imagine if you're someone that's just never even seen the drone before or like so you're the person that isn't in the industry and you see any of those videos. Um, they excite you. But what's interesting, I, I, <clears throat> I got into DJI through uh, my future father-in-law who had gotten a Phantom 4 and he was like a home builder. Uh, him and his buddy who both built houses, they thought that they were going to get a drone and like they were going to kill it and sell more houses when they were already struggling just to like figure out how to build the houses and uh, their drones just sat. So ended up, ended up getting this DJI drone and integrating it in, um, in business. But I asked Gary, uh, Gary. throw the name out there. Yeah, Gary. So get my future father-in-law, we're not dropping any big names just yet. Uh, I was like, Gary, why'd you buy that drone? <laughs> you know, Gary with such and such, um, you know, Gary, uh, with Gary Robinson Holmes, that guy. He, uh, Oh, Gary Robinson Holmes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. But I'll, I'll round. So I said, how did you get this drone? Like what made you buy this drone? Because I don't see any commercials. Like, and I don't watch a ton of TV, but I don't watch, I don't see any commercials for like drones. So I was like, why did you buy a drone in the first place? And he was like, well, Paul, Best Buy used to be 
my spot. <laughs> he, was, <clears throat> he was like, I used to go to Best Buy all the time. And of course, in like 2015 or 16, uh, 14, drones had this nice aisle. And folks have now talked about it. Uh, you know, last year was a big year of crapping on the drones within the, the retail stores. And like, that's where he saw it. But now, I, I don't know. Those videos, where the hell do they play these videos? Just social media? Um, oh, I saw a really interesting post on like drone marketing. It was on, I think, I think commercial UAS pilots group on uh, Facebook, where basically um, it like laid out advertisement for any big drone company. And it was crazy how like they advertise. I think, yep, yeah, Antonio, you've seen that as well. Where like first you start off with like rumors with trusted sources and they start spreading rumors. Like um, I think it was like Oscilla TV on Twitter. He's like the DJI leaker and he goes like new Mavic 3 and everyone's super interested. And then afterwards, uh, the next step is they start writing articles and stuff about it. Like people start gossiping out the rumors. The, the pictures finally leak on top of that and then the big announcement and all of that. And that's just how the drone industry works right now for like major drone manufacturers. They just advertise that way. It's just like very cookie cutter. I mean, I think the same even goes with like companies like Apple where like new AirPods coming out or new iPhone coming out. Oh, does it have 5G? Does it not? And I don't know. What, what do you think about that strategy? I don't know. I mean, it, it's working. I mean, it's incredible to me to, so I've been in the drone industry for like five years now, and it's incredible how a drone that doesn't exist right now, you know, let, I'm just saying in a hypothetical year, just takes over the market, whether it's the Mavic line or whether it's the Evo 2 or something like that, uh, something will go from being introduced to widely accepted. It's a pretty short period of time. So um, I think when it's selling really well, it's working because I think, Everyone's eager to know there's so much that goes into these drones in particular that, you know, someone might geek out on the camera, someone might geek out on flight time. Um, I, I think that there is a bit of a, of a, of a system, if you will, that they're all using, but you know, when it works well, it gets people talking. I mean, Paul, I mean, we had this conversation yesterday, you know, that the announcement came out from DJI with their new platform. And you know you're going online. You're you're looking up the details. You want to learn more about it. So, I think it's definitely building some suspense, and, and it's getting the job done. But I guess at the end of the day, I was just sitting here thinking, like public safety, like they don't see ads and then go out and buy, and buy you know that product. So it's not just dissimilar. I mean, based on our experience with public safety, it's usually like there's one or two champions within the department that champion your product. And then afterwards, they show it off to a lot of admins, say, say the champion's a sergeant. So he'd be so showing it off to like lieutenants or captains and uh, various uh, admins around the department until they get approval of most, if not um, all of them. And afterwards, that's when the purchasing happens. And I don't think at least based on our, our experience, nothing just gets purchased right away. There's always like trial phase i mean antonio even brought a bunch of fox fairy lights over to texas just to show off and everything it's, it's very hands-on it, it is and, and i think sometimes budget money will just be there and so that might be enough to spur a program starting where like there's some funds left over um you know for that or they were strategic about wanting to start their program and it took a while to get to find that creative funding source or that funding yeah. source whether it's Post-disaster, I mean, Paul, we've talked about this a bunch, right? It's like, once you get a drone, you now have a program, and then you have to 
increase from there. But it is really interesting. I feel word of mouth is so powerful. Yes, in these groups. And we'll see, word of mouth. We'll find out if this podcast, Drones After Dark, is, uh, is going to achieve word of mouth to, to get out there. But, man, that bored me. That whole conversation almost bored me. It was good. But uh, I'm interested. Like, I, I, I'm like, look at this drone game. I'm going to make I'm, I'm going to make Antonio either play this drone game uh, or tell us about California, like what the hell's going on out there. What's, what is life in California? Uh, you know? Nothing. Yeah. So what do you want to know? Like, what's it like in California? What it's like out here? Is it shutting down? Shut down. How's California? Man? No, I don't want to go it's, into. It's, I don't want to go into health, <laughs> COVID, and anything. But I'm like, what's going on? What are you doing? Yeah. Uh, with your kids and stuff, man. What's going on? With my kids and all that. It's uh, is that what you asked? Yeah. 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 It's it's interesting. Like, you know, with with all that's going on, and I feel like and this is part of the bigger thing, I think 2020 has brought out so much opportunity. I mean, it went different. I mean, I'm sure if we all looked in the mirror and, you know, had a plan out in January and, and, I, and I, I know I did this, I planned out my whole year and I knew exactly what events I was going to go to and who I was going to talk to. And it's just gone different than I thought. So we've, we've been able to pull off some like neat demos um, with, you know, just in general, we worked with some really neat instructors. We worked with people like uh, the folks over at LACITC, you know, and it's been cool to do that stuff on the drone side. But, you know, right now I got two kids going in-person school, got one kid in virtual school. That's why I was in Texas last week. I did a combo like a uh, drone trip and uh, let my daughter get out of the house and at least, you know, get a bit of a break, if you will, from her uh, virtual schooling. So it's a uh, it's, it's a strange time right now, being out in Cali, especially compared to uh, what I saw last week in Texas. A totally different approach. Not that it's better or worse. It's just fundamentally a 180 from what I experienced last week. What do you like more, California or Texas? I, it was really interesting to see how it went. I, I liked the Texas approach better. I liked the, uh, the hey, you know, we're going to have to you know, work through this and, and figure it out. Uh, I met some PDs out there and we did some stuff. Um, I will say we are doing a drone demo tomorrow night with some like public safety agencies uh, with Mark, um, Bobby, who you know very, very well. Um, and uh, it'll be fun. But yeah, I definitely liked um, the way that the, uh, the PCERT teams in Texas kind of do their stuff. Like life goes on, you know, and, and you kind of have those <laughs> trainings and where it gets difficult and when there's quarantines, okay, you stop and you hit pause, but you know, you just kind of, you keep on evolving and you keep on, on fixing because mother nature and, and other things, they don't stop. So I, I like the, just, you know, keep moving forward approach. Bobby, did you have, oh, what was, what was your one plan for the year? For the year. My plan for did the that's what I was plan in January. No, that's what I was just, that's what I was just about to say is when he was like, yeah, the plan for 2020 is out the window. I was like, man, I guess I was on the, I guess not having a plan was a good thing uh, because I didn't have to throw anything. It was out. this year. <laughs> but being so young. Hey, Paul. <clears throat> I've, yeah, I've never had a plan because I've always been like, 
what's topical and what do we do, right? And this year it was, because I am in so many different industries, I got to really be careful because fire and law may have the same event at the same time because it doesn't matter. They're different markets or weather or this or that. So I really was strategic about what that looked like, but it was a total, in, in, in hindsight, right? None of those events took place. So your approach was way better and way smarter than mine. You saved a lot of time by not doing what I did. So <laughs> it worked out well. Yeah. The, but I'm, I'm saying, <clears throat> I guess having nine, 10 drums, this company starting it, just being in such a early stages, they're just like, I didn't throw this plan into it. And yeah. um, I guess anything compared to in the early, hey, hearing people say five years this, five years that, all this, all this crap that you didn't want to hear. It was like, after the first year, the second year could just only be better. So then after that was a good year going into 2020, it was kind of like, you know, the plan was just keep doing what we were doing. And then that, that we done it all. And uh, I think beginning of this year is kind of when the, we had all actually connected and the virtual stuff was neat. Um, you know, being able to, to talk with folks, but a plan, no, there, there wasn't a plan, not like there is plans now. Um, I thought I'd escape this question um, when I started Skybrows because, you know, I don't have to go to interviews and, you know, answer the question, where do you see yourselves in 10 years or anything like that? So I'm like, okay, cool. I'll start my own company. I don't have to ask that question or hear that question again. But now investors are like, where do you see yourselves? in five years and it just the question never ends altogether i mean for us we didn't really have that big of a plan it was just to go to a bunch of conferences um in january or february we went to pvcc which is by far the best conference for public safety that i've gone to i traveled everywhere to speak at these conferences from like england dubai australia and pvcc in crozet virginia that is a conference with maybe 300 tops at this vineyard, at this family vineyard. We go there, the conference during the day, super small, you know, conference. And then the thing is like, everyone knows everyone there. It's super small, so you don't have to just say hi. You know, two minutes later, you forgot their name, another person walks by. And at the end, y'all get to booze and just conference together. At the end, you get to like go to a hotel room, rent out a hospitality suites, and just get absolutely wasted with all these other um, other dealers and other uh, public safety. I mean, public safety knows how to drink. They drink me under the table all the time. There's um, <laughs> lots of stories on that. And like, I think that really pr propelled us to like do more conferences altogether. We just wanted to do more conferences. It was a lot of fun. We had a team called the Sky Bros, where we go to conferences together and conference together, talk about, you know, drones and stuff. And then afterwards, just party together and just have a good time. That all got ruined. And I think that also propelled Drones After Dark. Like with dad, now, you know, we're, we're doing this together. Antonio's drinking his beer. Paul's drinking his drink. And, uh, you know, we're trying to, like, virtualize this conference environment altogether. And... And you know what? I guess one thing, I mean, for people that might be tuning in, I don't know why you were tuning in, but if you're tuning in, right? Um, one thing that's really cool, we know we talked about like having the plan and all that. Had 2020 not happened, you know, I don't know that we would have met, right? I mean, the three of us collectively met this year. I mean, Bobby, I believe I talked to you in like January. And then Paul, I saw you on a Skybrows webinar, I think February, you know, it was February, I think, or March. And so 
one of the cool things of all this strange kind of thing with things maybe hitting pause for a little bit is, you know, I've met people that, and, and I'm sure we all have, you know, on this call, and I want to hear your, I want to hear your thoughts too, but like, we've met people that we would probably never met had it been a traditional year. And I know that from the webinar that Paul and I have done, Bobby, we've done some stuff and it's like, it's really neat how it's all like worked out. Do you guys want to talk about that at all? Like just stuff that like you didn't expect, Paul? Yeah, just being able to connect with folks. And you, Bobby's talked about how, oh, we'd go out to these events and then people are drinking. And then if you're not participating or partaking in drinking, it's not, you know, it's, it's not that you can't or, or you don't, but if people aren't at these conferences and they're not at their booth or walking or talking or exhibiting in the evening, they are collectively hanging out, you know, and sharing thoughts and things like that. But people weren't doing that. Um, they're at home, they're quarantined, and they're available to talk and chat and have some kind of outside um, connection or interaction um, and was able to meet with and and then knowing that everything was kind of put back to like everybody was brought to the same starting line. It wasn't like it was just Louisiana or it was, you know, only California, like pockets of the country. It was the whole world. Um, so you come back here, figure out, reset, and then push forward. And there's been folks that I've reached out to and connected with and never – I don't know. I, I, I know them. I'm familiar with who they are. Um, I see them in the different groups and I haven't had the time to connect with as many folks as I would have wanted to. And, but I still know and put them into my network. And there's been folks that I've connected other people with. Um, like just because I don't have the time to, to meet with this so-and-so right now, doesn't mean that, Hey, I know, um, this person, talk with them, got, put, put them in contact, and then they can take it from somewhere. Um, so that's been, that's been really neat. And then having access to folks who want and have time just to, to, to get content and understand things more. And I think that the people that, that, you, that we've reached aren't necessarily the folks that would have been at these conferences or gatherings or events if they were going on, um, you know, especially through like Facebook and things like that and being able to connect with people who, you know, wouldn't pay. And I, I've seen things on there, oh, $270 and, you know, it's a virtual event. And it's like, uh, I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> Let's call them out. What event is that again? I forgot. Can you drag my memory? I'm pretty sure I am calling you out and I'm pretty sure I took a screen. Oh, what, what was it again? I'm pretty. I, I, I didn't hear. It. I, I forgot. It I like, didn't say the name of my tongue. Is it Inter? I think it starts with Inter. What, what, what's the what's that drone conference that starts with Inter? Yeah, where's the screenshot, man? Because I took a screenshot of your comment on something. I don't my know, comment. How I don't know how far back it goes. <laughs> what? Are, are you roasting me in our podcast? No, no, no. I might have deleted it. I don't remember. But there was something. Anyway, some people are – some people say that's cheap because they go to the in-person conference. Like they paid the, you know, hundreds 
three, four, five, six, eight hundred dollars to go to these events. So for them, it's like, oh yeah, that's a, that's a break in the pricing. But for anyone who's never been to Innerdrome, uh, seen one of these events, gone to it, they they don't understand pricing and things like that. So I, I went to a virtual conference and it was like Club Penguin, where you, you have a little avatar and you get to move your avatar around with like the WASD keys. So it's like you're, you're in a virtual conference hall and you get to walk around and you click a table and you join the table. And your video pops up and you start talking. That was, um, that was pretty rough compared to actual conferences where you know, there's like no context whatsoever. Like the vendors might just have a conversation with someone else and you're just like standing there, just what do I do? And then you just leave after a while. Um, I actually had a table there. Nobody visited me. It was really sad. <laughs> like we, we, I've done like multiple of these like virtual conferences or like, um, for instance, I, I did a pitch, uh, state tech pitch. We won first place in situational intelligence, not a brag or anything. And, um, you know, normally at like when, when I'm speaking at these conferences, like afterwards, I get kind of like swarmed with people. That's what I really like about these conferences because people, you know, provide new insights. They thank me and it just feels good. You know, it's like, it's like real life liking someone's Facebook post or something like that. And, um, after the safe tech pitch, nobody showed up. It was so sad. Everyone just left. They're like, okay, that's a pitch. Turn off my zoom now. And, and that was it. Um, I wish, I wish it could have been different. I just think the virtual conferencing just won't work out whatsoever. I don't know. You know, as I say, we were, we were in, we did one or two, or I don't know. I, I did a part of a leadership thing. Uh, like not having anything to do with drones. Um, uh, it was like a entrepreneurial type of uh, workshop event. And it's, it's become the same thing. You know, there's an app for that now. So you get in it and there's this chat room and then there's this way to connect and you can create this and I think it can be done well, but it just has to do with the content. And then is there anybody in that, in that group? It's kind of like if you're managing your social media, you can just put it there and then expect one thing, or you can put it there and then have an actual person, you know, behind it that is directing it and building it and morphing it and, and things like that. So I think the bad ones are the ones where they just provide this shell with everything pieced in and they don't have that human, um, that human interaction that's like curate, you know, helping drive and, and connect folks, which, which I think it was, I don't even know, Airworks. I think that was the one that was really good or pretty good um, oh, really? With, with the interaction. The virtual Airworks? You're gonna get out what you put into it. And if you go in there and you're like, just looking for an answer, yeah. Um, and I think that's where you go to a conference and you chase some people down, but you're going to get to the point where, and it's like the, the, the student outmasters the teacher, you know, to where you start really, and like, why was I chasing that person down? You're not like, why was I, but you're like, I get it. I understand. I don't have to be here to have this experience. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I went on a tangent there, but I don't think, uh, the virtual stuff, I, I don't know. You're never going to have that same uh, level of interaction. And there's a lot of things that happen in the bar right afterwards. Let's switch topics. 
What do you think of the Chinese and their drones? Are they spying on us? <laughs> With your Zoom hat? Nice. You know, how did that's a that's a tough one, Bobby. I I mean <laughs> maybe, you know what I mean? Probably in some cases. Well you're you're being so political. You're being so diplomatic. Look what's gonna be drone manufacturing. I think that they're big I think they're Pix4D stitching all of the cached images into a massive database that they're, you know, and then we're not going to, it's not going to affect us, right? It'll impact our children because they won't have the whole thing complete until like three or four more decades. I mean, we're working on some 5G drone tech technology, so eventually we'll just be able to combine control. I don't believe, I don't, I don't actually endorse what I just said. I'll just be <laughs> People think like, oh my gosh. Solid, solid good drones. That's all I have to say. Oh my yeah. God. So diplomatic. Well, Bobby, so like, because I work with a few of the different manufacturers that are out there and besides just like three, right? I mean, there's so many. They're great drones. What's that, bud? They're very good drones. Very good. Very good. Well, so, so here, cause so I, in working for Fox Fury, right? We're making this big switch to go to, um, to like American made, right? And, and that's what the, the marketplace is wanting. But the hardest part people will always ask is like, where's your stuff made? And it's like, are you asking about the quality of it? Because this thing right here, you know, uh, this is from China. Like it, the majority of this bad boy is Chinese and nobody bats an eye when you drop, you know, a grand or something into one of these, but when it's in a drone, it's hard. And there are some people that are nefarious and like there's like things into there where they're getting info. But I would argue there's there's really good Chinese stuff and there's also American junk too. And there's really good American stuff and there's really Chinese junk. So it's hard without knowing the full picture. I like to stay out of that battle because I, I don't know enough to speak intelligently on it. I, I just try to it's a it's that's a loaded one and i don't know enough and i don't like to give a real firm opinion without so i'll knowing. go there i'll go there it's an app right it's an app just like yeah. and like at the behind it all behind the app it's just who is who right is is somewhat having access and i think it has to do with political and and, yeah. and things like that and you know what? They're damn good drones. And uh, based on what happened yesterday, I'm going to be surprised if they go anywhere. Um, I don't, what I don't understand enough of is lobbying, right? And I think that's where all this stems from is, again, back what, to- what, what type of lobbying are you talking about? Are you talking about DJI's quarter of a million dollar a year lobbying budget? Or are you talking about like lobbying against Chinese drones? At a lot or a little. A quarter million dollars? I guess a lot for me. That's a lot for me, but I don't know, like, what's, do you know Autel's lobbying budget or do they have one? Maybe they don't even have one. Mm, Antonio, where's the drone gossip? I, I have no idea on that stuff. Really on that stuff in particular, you guys, like the, all the efforts that are happening, I'm, I'm a big my heart in the drone industry, because I'm not a pilot. So for those of you that don't know me, I work for Fox Ray on the lighting side, but I'm not a pilot. My heart is helping small to medium, uh, medium sized apartments get drones. That, that's where I'm at. So if it, if it gives them a tool to help them get their work done, that's about where I, that's about where 
my heart is anything beyond that when it gets into like the nitty gritty of some of the tech and, and all that i try to stay out of that and i really just try to keep a big picture so i'm not trying to give a like a super like boring answer but gosh it's such a weird one i i try to not go there because i don't i don't really know it's a big world out there and i, I have found this the more so that would I know, you buy i guess the question is would you buy the drone like if you were if you were the the chief and you were allowed to, like would well you it's so that's such a good question though paul so like this is the hard part for me right so being at Fox and making lighting and stuff, people ask me all the time for interior drones. The, the shelf life of an interior drone could be one call. It could be one call where it goes in, someone hits it with a baseball bat and it's all said and done. So does the DJI Mavic Air or Mavic Mini, does it work really well for interior flight? Yeah, totally. But that's such a different use case than like, you know, uh, mapping a military installation or something like that. So I, I think that's that, really i don't know man like it's such it's such a tough one it's it's so hard to like generalize oh, it but oh my goodness i just want to i'm just craving drone deep drone history right now deep drone history yeah i think and there's only one place that i can think to find it and if i'm wrong i think patrick egan i think that's like <laughs> only name that comes to mind <laughs> no <laughs> episode two i don't know i don't know man because <laughs> if we want real unfiltered content. Yeah, like you could replace like me with Patrick and you will get way more interesting content because. Dude, not, not, it has, no, 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 no. I'm just saying it's making me think and it's like to not know that. And is it important to know? It doesn't even matter. Um, and, and depending on who you talk to, it's like, yeah, you should know that or no, you shouldn't. And is there even a definitive answer? Um, it really depends. Like if you are in a position where you have to have it, certain government, military, things like that, you're actively seeking a different product. And then there's like, it's just kind of weird because you don't say you're not allowed to drive this car. You're not allowed to use this phone. You're not allowed to use this type of uh, smart doorbell. You're not allowed to use this type of home security system. Uh, what the why, what the hell does a drone? Well, well, let's let's take a step back. Let me look at it this way. Okay, so imagine you're making a 3D model. It doesn't matter what company you're using. You're making a 3D model. So you're connecting your drone to imagine an American drone as well. You're connecting your American-made drone to an iPad to fly it, made in China. Afterwards, you're going to upload those videos or the uh, potentially pictures on your computer, your laptop. Where's that made? Also in China. What kind of internet um, modem are you using? Something made in China as well. I mean, look at all these other dependencies that yeah. you have right there. You have your iPad, you have iPhones and all sorts of devices that are all made in China. Why is it drones that are taking all the flag right now? I mean, if someone wants to spy on a military base or look at uh, accident scenes, they're going to use drones for that. There's satellites out there. You can just tap into a satellite, get... Um, one meter level resolution and uh, just get all the information just by taking a picture. I mean, you really don't need drones for that. So I don't see that side of the argument. Maybe, I mean, who knows? Maybe um, Patrick Egan knows better. <laughs> but I think though, and so I think it's the stigma, right? I think because it's a flying camera, it's always going to have that like big brother 
association? Because I agree with you, Bobby. There's so many ways, right? I mean, I mean, just me, right? I'm like, like, I'm here and I like, we'll say something and my phone spits out an ad or something I just talked about. So there's lots of ways of getting information. Drones are just one of those ways. Uh, you just probably mentioned like five of them. I, I think that's totally fair. I just, I think that's always going to be the drone industry is always going to have that kind of stigma to overcome. Isn't there like a hundred thousand drone pilots right now? A little over a hundred thousand drone pilots. But how many cell phones are there in the U.S.? I mean, if you look yeah. at if if you were trying to spy on another country, like why would I use drones? Do these cell phones or something else, or cell towers or modems for that kind of information? Laptops. People still use laptops. Why drones of all things? And why not send in? Why not just send in your spy to just get one of those nice fancy American drones, fly the location themselves with a 107 certification? I mean, people people go the lengths of getting a, a you know a whole pilot pilot's license, you know. And I was thinking about this because I saw this post where the person was like, "Oh, I had my 107, and 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 I had my Lance." authorization through air map and even though i was flying at this sensitive location how dare these you know whatever the hell they i didn't read that far into it the port security or whatever they were they like wrote these people up and they said we're going to send your information up to whatever fbi dod and i'm pretty sure this might have happened in texas right so I'm thinking to myself, like, why do you think if you're in some sensitive, secure area that just because you have your 107 and you got your Lance authorization makes you not a potential suspect or threat, right? And if you're not, all they're doing is documenting your information to say that this person, and, and look, cool, great, national airspace, launch and recovery, yada, yada, yada. But going down a whole different path what the hell is it to stop a bad guy just from getting a lance authorization you know absolutely nothing so yeah anyone can get a lance authorization it's not mm -hmm. particularly difficult there's like there's like countless apps out there where you can just tap a few buttons get lance authorization and you're gonna spook some p i don't know i don't know i just think drones are awesome awesomely cool fun i don't know what the hell else i could have ended up uh being maybe like a professional baseball player i could probably play for the patriots nowadays but i'm not quite that tall you know you can't you can't see over the line <laughs> the the one year where they're actually like maybe not going to make the playoffs right like <laughs> yeah yeah covid the year of the covid I don't follow any sports. All I do is rock climb. <laughs> the only sports I follow is rock climbs. I have no idea. It's going to be in the Olympics 2021. Is it really? Yeah, and Japan's going to crush it. They're sending the so many climbers out there. Huh. It's a tough sport. I mean, it's hey, climbing. You, what was my backdrop during the very first Skybrows webinar? Yeah, you had a rock wall behind you. And now it's gone. You tore it down because your kids don't like it. That's really sad. Yeah, that's not the story, but <laughs> that's the short of it. Okay. Someone else's kids are climbing on the rock wall now. 
You gave it away? Sold the house. I was, I was asking actually the other day if we were going to put the rock wall in the garage. And? The answer is no, but I know the answer is no is because when we did that rock wall together, it was like hell. Uh, Lauren and I doing that, doing that homemade rock wall. That's why she doesn't want to do it because she doesn't want to go through that part again. But when we sold the house, that was like the, that was the feature right there. Rock climbing wall in the garage. Yeah, I guess so. I've been rock climbing for, I, I took up rock climbing about a year and a half ago. Um, when I was in Dubai, because Dubai, uh, despite, you know, it being super, it, it being appearing to be super futuristic, is really clean, like really, really clean. There's always people cleaning Dubai at all times. And I was there for two months and I actually got a little homesick because I kind of missed New Jersey. I missed like the, so I was thinking like, what's dirty, smelly and sweaty. I was like, oh, rock climbing. That's right. So I went to I went rock climbing in Dubai. It was really expensive, by the way, $30 per so, month. So, and, Living in North Carolina and going to Connecticut, because that's where my family is, right? Every time we're driving through there, the girls, they always know when we get to New Jersey. They always know. <laughs> not gonna, I won't say how. I don't live around there. I live in the countryside. Yeah. <laughs> Boom. They're like, oh, we're in New Jersey. I was like, yeah, a few more hours. Anyway. It's like a chlorine plant or something like that in like Elizabeth, like in like right, right around Newark, Elizabeth area, there's this like chlorine plant. It just smells awful. It just smells I don't know. You've, have you been to New Jersey, Antonio? Just trash. I have not. Okay. I have not been. Go to Bobby's part. Go to Bobby's part. They've got okay pizza. Okay pizza? <laughs> <laughs> back to Dubai. You went climbing in Dubai. And then afterwards, uh, when I got back, I just stopped powerlifting altogether because the travel conference schedule is just really hard to maintain like a steady diet and also a powerlifting schedule to maintain your uh, workout routine. And I was doing like five, six days and I just can't do that when I'm traveling, you know, with all the jet lag and everything. I just realized there's rock walls everywhere. So you can just kind of rock climb everywhere. So I've gotten a lot skinnier, but now I have like freakishly strong fingers where I can like pinch really really hard so like if you want to shake my hand it's gonna be like really really firm handshake i can like i don't know like i just have really strong fingers and there's <laughs> very little use to that altogether it does not help with flying drones my neighbor had a rock wall they across the street growing up so i don't know maybe i just thought that was like part successful but i always wanted to have a rock climbing wall and i always wanted them to invite invite us over and let us let them use it but they never did and Dude, rock climbing messes with your brain. It definitely changes the way you think altogether. Like when when I was um, traveling, I was in Texas. Um, I was in Texas so long. I one of the times I was in Texas, I rented out an Airbnb and I had like an exposed brick wall. And the entire time I was just, like running my hands through the wall. It's like, ooh, I could definitely climb this. And I was just thinking of like ways to climb this wall. <laughs> Normally, normal people just don't think about that. But now it's like if I feel something that I'm pinching, I'm like, ooh. God, I'm trying to remember who that is. There's like an FPV pilot uh, that rock climbs. I don't know. I was on Instagram. It's, it's, uh, they were showing like they go out and climb. Like they go out to these neat spots. And it's not like they're climbing the entire time. Obviously, they all have these mats. So they would like, I guess, stop in these spots and they lay the mats out like in, in a row. 
and all they're really climbing is just like this one yeah yeah so they're they're bouldering they bring the boulder pads it's like a little backpack that looks like a foldable mat and it's like a kind of like a sleeping bag almost in terms of like cushion so like when you fall like the goal is you're probably still gonna hurt yourself but like if you hit your head you're not gonna get a concussion or get knocked out you know is that what do you do that yeah yeah i do some bouldering as well so you're mentioning they brought drones no, it was someone that does FPV, uh, that's into the FPV drone flying, and they they posted this post on Instagram where it was like, yeah, I'm taking a break, I just need to get away, and they spent like, I don't know, three or four days, there was no drones involved. Oh, I see. I mean, do you I drone see. and fly? Are you do like sky brows, model yourself while you're... While I'm rock climbing? I did bring um, my drone over to this... You spot. measure, and then do you like measure the... The pit, like let folks know, like get all that, get all that knowledge, like in real time, Paul, where he knows it's like fourteen well, inches. It's so fast, yeah, you're right, Antonio. It's so fast, like that he can get the model up so quick, and then he's like, "All right, I'm gonna go from this spot to this spot, and it's gonna be a quick flip." And <laughs> it's just sketchy, though. There's this um. I, I remember this place. It's a rock climbing place in Pennsylvania. It's outdoor climbing. Um, I remember it by an old, it's like an old man's name, old white man's name. It's called Ralph Stover. And then you, you go over there and you bring your drone, except I, a lot of people actually did bring their drones over there. Some people had homemade drones and everything. I brought my Mavic 2 Pro. And um, I was just advised. I, I, did, I ended up not flying the drone um, over the pitch because if the drone were to crash, it might hit the climber and the climber might fall and that's really sketchy or even worse it hits the belayer the person holding the rope and if it knocks out the belayer now you let go of the rope and the climber is gonna have a bad day you know so drones while climbing is kind of sketchy but i mean yeah. you've seen um you've seen free solo right they use drones too <laughs> no yes i've seen free solo wait what is this paul this right here. This you're going to play, Antonio. <laughs> We're going to train you to be a drone pilot. <laughs> this, is, this is how it starts. <laughs> yeah, this is how it starts. Hopefully this will load up. We just got to skip a couple ads first. <laughs> these, are, these are not paid advertisements, I promise you. <laughs> Can you hear the music? Like, slap nine ten drones everywhere around the area. <laughs> Can you hear the music? Yeah. Okay, let's... We have... Uh... Oh, Chris Brisendine. Hey, Chris. We dialed back. Did you use this <laughs> train? We dialed back on... You can see now that, oh. that I have played this a little bit, and I've kind of progressed quite a bit through the rest. You got two stars on level three. All right. Where's the sound? Hold on. I need to crash your drone. This is level one. So Antonio, you see this? Yeah. It's been three hours. At this point, you don't even need drones to deliver this thing. All right. I need to turn this volume down. Okay. Now I can So pause this how you got into like the drone delivery stuff? Somewhat, almost, kind of. This is the, this is that, like you started here, and then, you know, this is the training right here. Like this is the init. Well, I like, I like it though. 
this was my initial training to where this is what got me motivated. And I actually, after playing this game, I kind of knew that drone delivery was definitely going to be a thing. <laughs> Flytrex looked at the leaderboards. He was like, oh, who is this? Paul? <laughs> now, I am going to guess that, Antonio, you are on your phone. I'm on my computer. You're on your computer? What Send him of... the link. Make him screen share. That way um, he doesn't have to control your computer. That works. Is it, what kind of computer do you have, Antonio? Matt? Oh, I have an Acer Chromebook. Oh. Yeah. That's going to be tough, man. Yeah. You know this tough? segment brought to you. Just kidding. <laughs> no, this segment's not brought to you by Chromebook because Chromebook doesn't integrate well with Zoom. <laughs> This segment's actually brought to you by Zoom. You can't, with the Chromebook, you cannot give up control of your computer <laughs> Zoom. Which is a fun fact, though, because we have this really cool remote piloting program that we do at schools, except the schools in North Carolina give all their students Chromebooks. So they, we had to switch like the, right. uh, holy, anyway, here's the link. Go to the link. Send me the link. Paul, watch out. You're going to be out of a job. Yes. So here's the link. And what I want you to do, Antonio, is go to this link, and then can you share your screen? I can. Okay. Oh, turn off the music. Let me try to um, – let me, let me let it load first, though, Paul. Load? It's a flash game. I know. Let me just make sure – <laughs> what kind of with that? You can play in your browser. There we go. His like internet we'll share like ten megabytes. Hey, you know what? With all this virtual school stuff with my kids, you guys, I'm lucky if like the internet doesn't like crap out. Is this it? No, no, no. Go to the settings. Did this make your day? Go to the settings thing. No, no. Go to the settings thing. Go to the settings? No, that's not the settings. Antonio, have you never played video games before? I, I have. Hold on. No. What, what, what are you asking? I was going to say go to the gear and just drag the volume down on everything. Go to the gear? In the top. God, you're making me feel like grandpa over here in this thing, you know? <laughs> okay, on the top right, there is a settings button. Click that and then drag. I didn't, I didn't actually see it though. Let me look. Give me one sec, guys. It's right. No, no, inside the drone service pickup screen. Oh, I'm on Facebook looking at. Never mind. I'm like two minutes. Yeah, ago. I haven't shared my screen yet. Okay. Not. <laughs> We're gonna get used to this music real quick. Okay. Let me do this. Share oh. desktop. Boom. Okay. okay. Share. All right, Antonio. Turn off that music. music. Yeah, drag those all the way to the left. Look at that. Do it. Okay. Yeah. Now what? What the way? Oh, level you're on level one. Can you this get? Is how, this is how it works, Antonio. You're gonna have to click left and right. Um, you can do it on your keyboard, and you gotta bounce it back and forth. You gotta bounce it back and forth, and then land it at the landing strip. 
Don't go too high. If you go too high now, you're going to fly beyond vision. You're going to break. Oh, oh, I was showing everyone what not to do. <laughs> Watch out. You don't no, want to break class. I was actually trying my best, and I utterly failed. So. If you go BV loss, then no. Oh, oh you no. can't. No, you can't no. land? No way, man. Drones, you can't land. All right, you got to pick it up and then drop it back. What do you think folks on LinkedIn would say if you had an open-bladed prop land near the customer? I think it'd be a dumb idea, don't you think? It would be unsafe, probably. Boom, right there. Hold on, right there. That's it. (laughs) Doesn't get any better than that. (laughs) That's it. Mic drop. Package drop. <laughs> hey, for the record, that's two, okay. Okay, okay. Let me show you how two fatalities and one success. So, FAA is currently investigating you now. Yes, in the uh, in baseball, that's good, man. You're batting three thirty. In baseball, yeah, I'm pretty much a, you know a, a an all star at that point for one sure. Three, yeah, man, you're killing it. Let me show you how a real drone pilot does it. All right, let's see this. Where, where is it? Here it is. Ooh, I should not be drinking and droning. Too bad. This is for the podcast. Ooh, 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 ooh. Look at the smooth. <laughs> <laughs> look at him shimmy shaking that. <laughs> it's like, it's it's like, shimmy. <laughs> Three stars. Oh, Moving yeah. on. Ba 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 ba. Shimmy. Look at that. <laughs> So, Paul, do you get points based on time? This game is deceptively difficult. It's like, it's not as easy as people think. Like, you can't just shimmy into. You got to get the other package, man. (laughs) Oh, no. That person was at the park bench, and then they left it there for you. I'm sorry, Paul. I'm sorry for criticizing you. This game is so much harder than I thought. Why is this game so hard? It's like... It takes deceptively hard. It's like, oh my god, it's it's like Flappy Bird, except with drones. I don't know. It's for the. It's really for the simple-minded. Drone delivery. <laughs> I'm all about it. You know, it doesn't take. You know, it's really just push one button in the real world. It's kind of like confusing because you're not really. You know, you don't want to shimmy shake. But that was a good attempt, Bobby. It looked for a second. I thought you were hacking the flight code. You had that thing just. <laughs> yeah, so we're writing some code in, in the back end, hacking to the drone to get the most optimal flight path. Yeah, he's like doing it blindfolded. It just, you know, I like it. I think there's a cheat code for that game, like left, left, right, left, right, left. Well, uh, by that episode, one hundred, it will be there. Don't worry. Cheat code. Get some code to make it fly itself. I don't know. I kind of enjoy that game. Hey, we can still make fun of other, uh, other podcast guests when they play the game next time. Yeah, we will. Uh, we will. That is definitely the bar uh, that has been set. It's been set. I'll just say that. Antonio, you still have two more levels to go. You have to. Oh man. This game, though, you might have to show that to your kids. That's what's going to happen. Antonio's going to like... They're going to be better at it than me, too. Yeah, and then you're going to come back, and you're going to be like, look at all the levels I got to. Yeah. 
I'm gonna get like nothing done, you guys, and it's gonna be uh see? See, yeah. Yeah, yeah I'm with Bobby on this. Like, looks one. like a silly game, like it's too easy. But in reality, it's pretty it's darn hard. Difficult. That was a solid you know, win. Stop playing level one over and over again. <laughs> we know you beat level one. You gotta move on to level two. Oh, is that oh I gotta go this way. I'm sorry, bud. Got it. <laughs> he was mastering that level first. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's what it was. I was just taking my uh, my time. Watch out, don't fly. Oh, see? Yeah, this is good. Yeah, this should be definitely a, uh, a, like, kind of challenge for all future guests, for sure, because, uh, oh, geez, Louise. Oh, oh, you almost went Ooh, that beyond visualized sight. You almost Beautiful. went beyond <laughs> Right? I almost needed a different waiver. Yes. You're a true drone pilot. I don't know. If we want to talk, though, I don't know, but the FAA just gives away those waivers. <laughs> Actually, you know, maybe, it's a, yeah. maybe it's a Skydio drone. Yeah, I mean, they just give those waivers away for Skydio for free. <laughs> I mean, it's like it's not an issue. Oh, you want a 107 waiver? Here you go. Have it. Vivloss, go for it. Well, some people worked hard to get those waivers. Watch out for the helicopter. Yeah, this That's like past the airspace right there. <laughs> Whoa. Now, some people worked hard to get those waivers. Some people. Some people. Yes. Oh, wait. Hey, oh. a lot of boxes. Watch out, Antonio. Oh, you got to bring it. Free. All right. Yeah, no, and, you know, it's funny, we, all joking aside though, right? I mean, the one thing that I, I think is really interesting is the drone industry will continue to change, we, that much we know. Um, and, and it is, I, you know, just, I just got to take a moment, no matter what you just said, Paul, like there are some people in our last webinar that we did, you know, that, that have worked their butts off, that have, uh, I'm thinking of guys like Brandon Carr, that and like people on the, some of the Facebook groups that, have, have done a lot of hard work and, and shared a lot of that. And uh, man, the possibilities that, um, that, that that has caused, you know, it's just made it so much easier for those that have followed. So uh, all joking aside on the BBLOS and Skydia stuff, thanks to everyone that has gone out there and shared what they've learned because it's advanced a lot. Yes, huge shout out to, to folks like Brandon Clark and for not just doing it, but then giving it to other folks. Right. You can see it on his face on Facebook as well. The public safety UAS group. I have so much respect for him. Every single time anyone asks a question, like within 10 minutes, Brandon Carr has got the answer. Like, check out these docs right here. And then just make sure not to copy and paste it. Uh, you know, change it up a little. FA will know. And it works every single time. There's just no more questions afterwards. He does and a great it, job. And, and, <laughs> and I talked about history uh, a little bit. And I don't think like aviation hasn't just changed. Like manned aviation, it did its changing a while ago. And now it's kind of set. So this idea that people at the FAA understand, it's like my, my biggest thing is why when someone figures out uh, a use case that makes sense, it has to become like their thing. And it's not like, you know, <laughs> we can't, as FA is like, hey, this is practical. Like this is practical and it makes sense. So let's just write this out. And now nobody has to deal with all this extra and 
you know, all this, file this and get this in. And it's like, we're seeing what I think we're going to see with the 10729, you know, like daylight operations, like, oh my God, everybody's submitting these documents to say the same exact thing <laughs> over and over and over again. And somebody's sitting there like hitting an okay button, an okay button. And uh, I don't know. So like when folks do accomplish these things, it's great to see it get put out and understood that like, this isn't something that people are now going to have to become a member of a club in order to understand. Like you're an early adopter. You're, you're, you're writing. I mean, you are, we are, I say we, but these folks, folks like Brandon Carr are molding the industry and it doesn't need to be in a way that's like, you know, not practical. <laughs> And that's just the biggest thing. And I guess with flight stuff, like, I don't know, there's been so much talk where flight, you know, hands on flight, like, oh my goodness, so many people have their training and want to try to think that their training is right. And this is how, and it's like, at least from a certification, there just has to be some kind of like check boxes you hit. And then you work with, you know, folks who are, um, you know, aware of this drone shit. But anyway, I, I digress like a mofo. Um, yeah. <laughs> Brandon Carr. Yes. Brandon Carr. Great guy. Let's get him on one of the podcasts in the future. Yeah. And that's someone who I've mentioned this too, is, is, is to bring folks on and even deep get, get into um, the folks in public safety to like, what were you doing before drones in public safety? And like, you know, how, you know, I just want to connect with folks and, and be able to hear who they are. Um, beyond this so I think do it what were you doing before drones before drones I was in Colorado I was in Phoenix working as like a contractor on aircraft maintenance avionics wiring on on uh, airplanes that was with the army right that was after I got out of the army. And then I was doing that for um, companies working on military aircraft. In Colorado, it was with Sierra Nevada Corporation. So it was really, it was, it was, it was fun, but it became super repetitive. Um, like, like there was times where you would get these one-off things where you were just doing, you know, a new modification to an aircraft that you didn't do before. Um, but then there was just like a lot of repetitive building harnesses and things like that. And, and <clears throat> I wanted to be a professional golfer. So I was in Colorado. I work, I was a geo bachelor. So I was dating long distance and, uh, all I would do was just play golf. I just worked and played golf a lot and I wasn't that good, but I would go to work and I would tell, I would go to work and I would tell, tell like two of my coworkers, like, yeah, I'm, I'm playing today. I'm playing. I would, I would talk myself up. Oh yeah. I, I'm, I played really well. I'm going to work hard. I'm going to get on the, the tour. I'm going to get my card. Cause Lauren's a really good golfer. Dad's a really good golfer. But, yeah. So that's what I did before. That's what I did before. Huh? Better than you? Who? Lauren. Oh my God. Yeah, man. She's amazing. She's amazing. She's, she's one of the, she's the, 
uh, second best golfer that I know. Her father is the first best golfer. She's absolutely me. I will, I will put money uh, on anybody who listens to this webinar and wants to bet me if they can beat Lori. I will put $1,000 on it that they could. So that's how Blink it, twice. I put any money on myself. Now. Blink twice if she's behind your webcam right now. No. <laughs> no, there ain't nobody in here. Just a bunch of drones. Hard hats. Hard hats. Um, yeah, man. And then I was gonna. I was supposed to. What really pushed me into the drones thing was I was supposed to. I I went to California and I did an interview with General Atomics, mm-hmm. and I was really set on. Um, you know getting the sensor operator position. Like that's what I was going to do. I was going to deploy and, you know, go do all this stuff and ended up back in North Carolina. And I was like, you know what? I want a family. I want to like start something. I want to be home. I want to create something. And then I just laid around for a while and loafed and spent my savings. Cool. And then then nine, 10 drones came into play yeah sort of that wasn't the original name but yeah it all started then Ooh, what was the original name uh it was <laughs> i feel like it was something like younger paul would totally be like rad drones or like <laughs> bad ass with like <laughs> drones <laughs> no it was so terrible it was terrible and I still the thing is is I did such a good job not even a good job I put it out there in so much things and I created emails for it and all this and when I finally changed the name like so I still look at it and things still pop up for it it was it was drone genuity but then there was a company in Massachusetts or something that's drone genuity so then it became the drone genuity and it was like what the hell is this guy saying I don't even know like I felt like a complete ass when I would be uh, dumping and gargling out these words, drone genuity. And people were like, yeah, I have no idea what you're talking about. So I always wanted it to have meaning and something and tip, tip like, like to recognize North Carolina. Cause I've never wanted to grow big and beyond and kind of like Nike or like a Greek goddess name or something like that. So 910 is the area code. Cool. And that and that's the story. And uh, very interesting, man. And now it's kind of neat because people will write it and pronounce and in and, and the mostly is the writing it. Like people put nine one zero drones. Like they will send out emails and this is people that I've known for a while. And I'm always putting nine ten drones. It's in my signature, like written out. And then people still put like the nine one zero drones. And as much as I it's kind of like uh, RMUS, right? Rocky Mountain Unmanned Systems. And it was a mouthful, like the whole website and everything. So they just change it to RMUS. So there's some people that have no idea like what Rocky Mountain Unmanned Systems is. Yeah, yeah. We, um, we had the same, similar story. So Skybrows initially didn't have an E after Sky. I went out to try to buy the website. It turns out that was taken by someone from like 10 years ago. So me being an idiot four years ago, I emailed him. I was like, hello, Alan. Alan Horatian from California. I still remember this. 
three days before the domain was going to expire. He did not renew because after 10 years, no one's going to buy that domain. He's just going to let it die and someone else will buy it. Three days before that domain was going to expire, me being a complete idiot, I email Alan and I'm like, hello, Alan, I'm starting a company where we simplify first response with drone software. Could I buy this domain off of you? He doesn't respond. The next day, I see it on GoDaddy for $50,000. He changes it. He renews it right away and changes it to $50,000. And I was like, fuck this asshole. I don't want to deal with this at all. I'm just going to add it to my name. I'm not going to deal with this nonsense. It's down to $10,000 right now. And me being petty, I'm still not going to buy that domain. That domain, it's, it's always going to be Skybrows with an E. But you know, and you know what? It's his domains, like... I wanted it to be simple. So what did I make the, the web address? It's nine, the numbers, 910drones.com. So it's like, clearly, I'm not a marketing person or I'm not like a brand building person, <laughs> at least not the beginning, because I don't even, like, I can't get upset because I'm like, yeah, you know why they say 910drones? Because that's the website. Like, that's somebody sees it and knows it that way. And then when you say an area code thing to them, they'll just always go with the numbers. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm yeah, like, yeah. should it all change? Or drones. What was that, Bobby? What were you up to before drones? Me. Uh, so I feel like you were a surfer, dude. Like you were just out surfing all the time. You have like long hair down to your shoulders. Yeah. Curly golden locks, just surfing in the background all the time. I have never surfed a day in my life. And back when I had hair, it would have never been long. It would have been like more of an afro. So, um, you had yeah. Afro? But now, you had an so afro? Far, it, it's a, it, well, it's just thick, you know, just, I don't know. And then I lost it up here. So there's no hope, you guys. You had like an Ita- are you saying you had like an Italian head of hair? Yeah, yeah. It's kind of, uh, you know, it's weird. Because so when I got out of college, um, I, I went right into working with my, with my family. And Fox Rate just started then. So we were doing like surfing and, and, and like more recreational stuff. And in 04, we switched into public safety. So I was talking to like, firefighters and police officers. Did you say surfing? Yeah, man. Yeah, we started surfing. Surfing, yeah. So Foxway started to make a helmet light or a headlamp, excuse me, to uh, surf at night. And so it's a really really quick but uh, effective story. So you mentioned about like uh, how to spell 910 drones and not thinking about that. And Bobby, you mentioned about like an E or no E. We thought it'd be cool, but we totally missed the part about the food chain where the little fish, you know, like the light. And then that just, you know, attracts bigger and bigger. And we were right here in San Diego and we're like, we can't possibly in good faith go out and put this light and like advertise it knowing full well that, you know, we don't know. And like eat the service. Yeah. Yeah. Like it went, when you're eaten you gotta stop you know so before we ever got there i'm just kidding no one died no one died but we it was weird so here's the quick fox racer because it's super weird because i was actually doing a different thing at the time my dad did a concrete like uh construction thing and some air purification i was doing that 
Foxtree did that thing and the light had to be waterproof and it had to be durable and they had to like, like do all kinds of weird stuff like just attach to someone's head and stay there. People just kept asking, can it do this and can it do that? And eventually it got to, can you do forensics? Can you do SWAT? Well, then it was like, man, that would be really cool. What about for like photo video stuff? So to answer your question, Bobby, before I was doing our marketing and I was doing our law enforcement sales, our product line grew and it got to the point where we started going to show like NAB, which is the big broadcasting show. And we met some folks that, uh, that was like one of the very first years. So like at NAB, man, like DJI in the last couple of years has had massive booths at, at NAB, but the titans at NAB, those really large uh, photo video companies have changed every like three years. So it used to be like GoPro and then DJI kind of took, you know, took over some of that. And we met some drone people at NAB and they were talking about like, man, we want to do this. And we've always been that company that listens to emerging tech. And so we just started those conversations and being out here in California, we had people like drone dudes and guys like uh, Will Cashin that we started talking to and it just kind of grew from there. And my first drone show was like people that wanted to put forensic laser on the drone itself, which, you know, it's just crazy to think of, but you know, that was my, my history. When it came up, I'm like, yeah, flying camera, that makes sense. So uh, that was our, our way into it. What's the hardest part about bringing a product like a Fox Fury light market? To be honest, you guys, the hardest part I think is there's two kinds of things. So, and I'd love to hear Bobby's thoughts on this too. There's me too stuff, right? Everyone else is doing it and you're trying to do it a little different or something like that, but it's genuinely understood. We don't do that. And that's the hard part. When we're talking about product adoption, right? It's really hard when people can't really visualize what your product does. So when we started doing drone lights in like 2016, as an example, Paul, it's like, what the hell do I need a light on a drone for? Like, that's, that, that doesn't make any sense. So it's the educational part of getting people to understand that, you know, this allows you to do so much more. Um, that's, that to me is the hardest part. When you make innovative stuff, so, so that's like the educating is more of to get, I think that's more of like to get to the sales. So what is the most difficult? Is it creating the product, like designing oh. it, would you say? Is it getting the sourcing the parts or finding someone to make that or, or you know what I mean? Or is it, uh, I don't know. Does that make sense? Yeah. So I'll answer it like this. And I, and I totally get your question. I'm sorry. I kind of answered it a little different. Um, so family business, my dad is the math scientist and the CEO at the same time. So for him, he makes all that stuff. He's, he's got an idea in his brain of what the product needs to be. And he's the kind that just sees the need three to five years out. For me on the biz dev marketing and sales side of it, to be honest, it's can we honestly say that that product will accomplish that? Because you start putting it out into the hands of early adopters. And then, Bobby, we've had this conversation, right? Hey, that's really cool. I like that. But can you do this, this, and this? And it's getting to that point where you feel confident enough that it's going to hit the mark. But you know it's not, it won't be everything to everyone. And knowing when, 
they're like demonstrating the ability of this thing to your level of, of like acceptability or your competence. Yeah, so like out in California, right? I mean, the weather here is pretty consistent. So like we take a light out and someone will say, well, how does it handle in cold? And my question is always like, how cold? And then someone hits me with like negative 20 and it's like, that's really cold. Like Fahrenheit or Celsius, that's still cold. That's and like so negative, actually it's not. They're both, what's that? Negative 20 Fahrenheit is negative 20 Celsius. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, that's cold, right? And, and I mean, they're not expecting it to work, but those are really harsh conditions or like, they're like, how hot can it get? And in our case, being with fire, it's like, oh my God, like at what point is, you know, whether it's guys like Andy Stearns, Paul, where it's like, oh my God, you melted this thing. And people don't, people don't approximate temperature very well at all, especially in fire. They, they think that 500 degrees and 1,000 degrees, you know, some of them are not very good. So if we get a product back and it's in four pieces, that wasn't 500 degrees. That was more like 1,200. So I think that's that part of you make something and you've done all your work and, you know, you see it in drones. You know, someone comes up with a, with a drone and three years later, the market wants something new. You know, they wanted a better camera. They want, you know, an enhanced, you know, thermal, you know, imaging sense. They want better sensors. They want better thermal. They want, they want, they want. And I think it's knowing when it's good enough and then keeping the education going, like whether it's night reconstruction or whether it's just flying but it sounds, safely. But it kind of seems like from what you're saying is, is you've got it, you've got the thing, you understand it, you've, you've turned that idea into the thing, but now it's like, how can we get this through as many conditions as possible in the shortest amount of time? Because if we can't do it in two, three, four, six months, we're going to be too late. Or like, people won't even be asking for this anymore. Or, you know, will we have put too much time into just figuring out if it, if it works or doesn't work? I guess it uh, sounds like a challenge. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I'm telling you right now, there's stuff that we made five years ago that people are like, that's cool. Uh-huh, that's cool. And then this year, it's like, oh, my God, it does that? Yeah, like, so, uh, being in education and now having worked with students, I understand more why people – and especially when you're testing things and finding out the validity of stuff, you can work with the educational institutions because they have access to people who have time that have yeah. time to do these things. And it gives them the experience, right. And, and, and some knowledge that they would never have had. So I don't know if that's ever a viable option for you to help test out your products through educational institutions. But. No, it makes perfect sense. Bobby, how about you? When you when you like create software, right? When you've got a new um, a new feature on on SkyBrowse, what's the hardest part about getting that to market? Is it the coding? Is it education? Is it showing? What is it? So we don't release bad products, and the reason we don't is because we do a lot of customer discovery. How do we build something that our customers don't know they want and love, and will change their lives? It's a really hard question to answer. So it started, I mean, what, three years ago when we're still coding this thing up. Uh, it, it started with me stopping at car crashes and asking police officers, hey, like after, you know, the car crash is clear and everything, hey, 
you know i would just like wait there i would get off my motorcycle just wait there they're like oh were you involved in this crash no just wanted to ask some questions they'd just give me a weird look like what's this weirdo up to like why is he like is he an ambulance chaser or something like that and i would just be like hey like would drones be able to help you with this and they would give me short answers so i wouldn't get too much out of it um i'd go to police departments just to ask some questions and one time I was super scared. Like this was like three years ago when I went into West Windsor police department. That's our local police department here. I set up a meeting. Um, one of my gym friends, his dad was a retired Lieutenant there. So he gave me an intro. I ended up setting up a meeting with their Lieutenant at the time of the traffic division. He also managed the uh, drone division at West Windsor three years back. I'd walk in and he was wearing his motorcycle boots at the time. And he was like this six foot three tower and large American just like staring down at me. And I was just in the waiting room and he was behind the double pane glass, just eyeballing me down. And it felt like five minutes of him just staring at me. And I was like, oh man, I'm going to get arrested just for setting up this meeting. I was scared shitless, just out of my mind. And then we walked in and he shook my hand. He was like, hello, I'm Danny. Nice to meet you. I heard you have a good product. Let me, let me hear about it. And I just asked him a bunch of questions. And it's all about customer discovery, figuring out what they have right now, what they think they need, and what we build for them. Um, a lot, the way I think about it is I'm a really, I'm good at hearing other people, but I don't listen to a lot of people. I take what people say and I try to build something that they don't know they want just yet. And at that point, the coding is uh, pretty easy. Almost everyone on our team is really, really technical, uh, including Barry Moore. He's one of the most technical people in our team right now. And um, we're all really good at coding. So like building stuff isn't hard. It's just building something that's easy to use and what people want. It's fast, easy to use, what people want. And yeah, that's how we release products to market. I think it's the hardest part because we spend so much time just figuring out exactly what they want. We'll wait on a feature for a very long time until we figure it out. Right, but I think that's the thing as a software is you're always manipulating and changing it, and you can always add, right? You're always developing on top of. Yeah, and I have some design decisions like, you know, adding Siri integration into it. Is it ever going to be useful? No, not at all. I just thought it was cool, so we added it in. Now you can tell Siri to fly your drone for you, make a 3D model. I thought it was just really cool. Like maybe one day you'll just be able to like call Siri, you know, a drone just flies on over to the scene and just makes a 3D model just like that. So do you have any products, Antonio, that are like soft, that have software or need updates or anything like that? Like on the software side? Any intelligent type of product? Are you saying these products are dumb? Well, talking to the drone manufacturers, even we, we did, we had a talk today and it was like one of those things where we have tried to keep it very external. Um, so like our stuff works with, with like Bobby's software, like that's easy, uh, works with the drones. But the challenge I think for us is the more that we try to integrate directly with the drone itself, there's always that thing of like, if the light was powered via the drone itself, then that's one more thing that can go wrong. It's one more draw on the battery. And it's hard because it's probably gonna be a very automated thing moving forward, but it's that fine line of when does that thing need to be powered via the drone and not use its own external source. So I think for us in designing stuff that can, you know, quite frankly, just be used 
you know, nearly everywhere and, and have all the temperature stuff and all that, it gets to be difficult to pair some of the software or the quote unquote smart like part. That, that's hard for us. We probably don't do that as well. Like you're not using like, I'm just thinking like, you're not using like a cell phone to control the lighting intensity at the scene of the incident, right? You're just going to go like turn the, yeah, you, you yeah, know, like on the light itself. That's yeah, and we'll work on that. Hey Siri, turn on my lights. Oh, oh. shit, turn on my Siri. Yeah, something like it's that. It's one of those to turn on your lights. What's that, bud? You got me to turn on, turn it on? No, yeah. no, no. You guys, well, that one feature would be nice. like telling Siri to turn on your Fox Three lights. Hey Siri, get my lights on. Would be awesome, right? You got like multicolored, or you could be like, "Hey Siri, get the lights out of the trunk," and then they yeah. Like they automatically like boy from the car. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely features that we need to start putting in there, but we just haven't gotten there yet. And I think quite frankly, right now, I mean, for the work that we do, the, our products get the hell kicked out of them. I mean, we make, we make like swatch shield lights and stuff like that. Like the drone lights don't take much of a beating, but our other stuff just gets pummeled. You know what's so awesome is when I saw your post where you were actually talking not about any specific product, but you were talking about you're you're like a lighting integration specialist, like mm -hmm. that's yeah. trying to integrate a light into their product. Like that's what you guys do well, and that riot shield, I guess, would be a really good example of yeah. like taking the time to understand that tool itself. Right, because it itself is a tool, and what's the best totally. method? And and you know, you don't just slap a light on there. It's like what, what does these things go through? What are what are what are the temperatures? What are all that stuff that you just explained before? Um, so that's yeah, and Paul, like for example, when we made that kind of like Bobby was talking about customer development, finding out the need, it wasn't really. I mean. While, while it's very effective, don't get me wrong, it, it wasn't until like a few months ago when there was the, uh, that uh, riot in Philadelphia where a bunch of officers all got hurt on one, it was like 30 officers in one night. Uh, there was just an officer involved shooting and then people turned on them. That was when we started getting a lot of people going, whoa, we're looking for a non-lethal way to help. Wait, what is this thing? Where has this been? And we're like, we've had it this whole time, but you know, it's hard. It, it, it's hard, right? And, and I know like for Bobby even too, it's like getting people to understand that they can do reconstruction via drone. That's, you know, we can talk about what's software at that point, but there's some education that I'm having. I'm even on a lighting side that goes, hey, you have to at least be considering using drones for reconstruction. There's a lot of use cases that I don't think people know, or they think they think that it's more steps or maybe more money than what they, they have thought in their heads? I'm not sure. Could be, could be. Um, it, that's what we're working on right now, just getting the word out and, and showing that you know emergency response, getting situational and intel shouldn't be difficult. It shouldn't be hard whatsoever. I mean, it should just be once happen. You, uh, you get all that info that you need and eventually it will be the status quo. And that's what we're pushing towards right now. Although, Antonio, you should push towards a right shield with a TED grenade launcher integrated into it. So you hold the right shield like this, you point it at someone, hit them with a flashbang, 
<laughs> Damn, that would be really cool. Now that's a cool product to build. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty sweet. The liability side would be interesting, but I mean, I like it though. <laughs> no, you don't. <laughs> no, you don't. No, I mean, I'll put it this way. I've learned, and I, I mean this in the most honest way, like there are people having ideas and there are some weird, the one thing I've learned, you guys, like, Bobby, you, you were just so honest about, and I'm guessing that was Lieutenant Moore you're talking about in West Windsor. It's a solid dude. There's a lot of people in public safety. There are more jobs in public safety. So for those of you listening, like, there are these jobs you would never think that exist in public safety but it's someone's full-time job. It could be marketing. It could be public safety or the, public, the press information officer, public information officer. It could, there's so many things like that. And you get these large departments that have jobs that I never knew existed. And yet at the same time, Bobby, to your point with your software, you got the person that because it's a small little department, they're doing five things. Like the traffic guy is the SWAT guy, you know, is, the mapper is maybe the forensic specialist. That's, I mean, that to your point though, about like, it's gotta be easy. You know, you meet some really cool people along the way. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I have nothing to add to that. You're, you just described everything I was going to say. Um, a lot of people at West Windsor do a lot of jobs. I mean, the drone guy is also the traffic guy, which is also the spot guy. I mean, yes, yeah. it's a lot of roles that you're filling right there. I mean, there's not a lot of crime in West Windsor. It's um, like the population's like 75% Asians and um, it's a pretty upper middle-class neighborhood. So okay. um, there's just not that much crime going on. So, you know, they're able to take on these jobs without getting completely overwhelmed. But, I mean, most, most officers at West Windsor work nine to nine. So that's, that's still a pretty tough shift overall. Absolutely. I don't even work nine to nine. <laughs> no, I mean, those are, those are long days. I mean, those are not easy shifts at all. And then I think it's hearing you guys talk, there might be this to where the folks that can actually use the, what a drone can provide um, in some of that accident investigation and things like that. They're not people that are on the scene. So exactly. And now, now you have to look at the question, do they have the bandwidth? to take on all of these emails, to download a trial version of the software or, or, or test and evaluate a light. All of a sudden, they, I mean, they're juggling so many jobs that it's going to be really difficult for them to just take on another task, just take a few hours off to do some demos at that point and then convince their admin to take some time off to also see that demo. And that becomes a tool and that officer that does collect the data is just a data collector. I mean, it's no different than some than the way that folks in construction use drone pilots to collect the data so that someone else can, you know, sift through the processed information. And, and I don't know whether it's like large or small. um, I think, I think they're, you know, 2021 more adoption, but it all comes down to like certification. It's just, you know, that's, that's the whole thing. It's like, Public safety, certification, the ability to operate a drone um, and get 107 certified and like go to a community college and get it, right? I don't know. 
that's the whole thing. And the hands-on flight training and things like that. So they're super, like, if you've been around them just for a short amount of time, you know that they're pretty easy to operate. But people have to see the procedures. They have to know. They have to, like, like see it. Like, most people, if you just show them, you know, then they can go do it themselves. But I mean, I've been flying drones for, like, five years now. Maybe a little over five years now. And, um, yeah, to me, it's just really intuitive. I can just take off with any drone. It doesn't matter. And just fly the drone around just kind of get used to the controls and that's it whereas you know um, when i'm doing training for public safety i can i see like a lot of people that are not good with drones and just in my mind i was thinking like it can't possibly be this difficult but at the same time i've also had five years experience just flying drones and playing around with that both as you know the hobbyist and also commercially the understanding is how it works like that's that's the students in the in the North Carolina high schools, it's like, it's one thing to just show them how to plan an automated flight to collect pictures. It's another thing to explain to a student, you know, who you don't know what route they're going to take, like the how this thing collects the pictures and like the, the little bit of the inner workings. Um, and hell, I don't know. So like, I don't know. It's uh it's fun and then it's just getting out there and and like getting to see it it was exciting you know 2020 we've connected with a lot of people and uh like in different places i'm still amazed at the fact that on some of these webinars it was like oh people from canada australia new zealand um just all these different countries that are all interested in the same stuff but they listen and then they never get any hands on. They don't see it in person. Like when you see this in person, it's just a total different thing. So I, I don't know. It, it just sucks. I'd say the one thing, Oh, planning for 2021, like in, in 2021, you know, hopefully through nine, 10 drones and some of the opportunities and things that came, you know, this way in 2020, like to actually be able to get in front of more folks. Like, Hey Rick, Rick Spooner, if you're watching this, let me do a training session in New Zealand. I will give you a very hefty discount on Skybrows if you can get me out of the United States right now. I will do it for half of whatever he says. What? <laughs> Antonio, do you care to bid? I wouldn't provide any value to Rick, so <laughs> I'm out. <laughs> I'll, do, I'll do it for half. <laughs> And we're going to do nighttime. Antonio's going to come with me as well. Yeah, ooh. <laughs> well, <laughs> Antonio's going to shoot all over me. We're no longer friends. No. Well, not. here's the cool thing. Paul, what you just shared, though, about being able to do stuff, That back to that, and I know we're going to wrap up here a little soon, but yeah. basically, I look at 2020, and through the webinars, like, we met via a webinar, right? We met via a virtual event. That's I knew Bobby, Paul had this thing on LinkedIn, I checked it out. We did the webinar series, Paul and I, with Andy Starnes and Michael Chapman from FLIR. We met people from places that I would have never talked to. And people are reaching out to us. But Paul, you made that comment, you get out what you put in. And I feel like in the drone space, I'm bummed that the actual in-person shows haven't happened this year. Because it's the industry where it's my favorite shows to work. Because people want, want to solve problems. And I just think... 
that's what it's all about. There's so much potential. It's just like you said, Paul and Bobby too. You just have to show it. And, and I mean, that's one thing that I want to work on. I know we'll do some more of that, but just taking it from an idea and then walking them through it and letting them know that it's doable. And I mean, do 